Good morning. If I could say uh, we would take a moment, we're not going to do this, but if I could say take a moment and share testimony how God is good, I would hope and pray that we would have, oh, I don't know, an hour or two's worth of praises. Uh, there are some people in here this morning, I don't know if we could weight them down with weights to keep them. They're about ready to float off their chairs, right, Ricky? He's bubbling. He's been healed, so it's awesome. There's so many things that have gone on in your life. You say, praise God, praise God, praise God. It's, it's great stuff. And so when we come together to worship, it's an awesome opportunity to do that. So welcome to True North Church if you're visiting. If you're not visiting, uh, I was just thinking about this. I, I think we're close to 10 years. I think there's a celebration coming up in January, and, um, which means we've been around for a while. So, but here's the deal. We, we've still got more to learn. Still got more praising to do. So we thank God for every Sunday we have. So whether you've been here 10 years or this is your first week, we praise God that you're here with us today so that together we can praise him. It's that simple. We don't need to complicate things. It's like the Geico church or something like that. Anyway, I want to clarify something from the last few weeks' sermons just to make sure we're all on the same page. Somebody uh, approached me and said, just want to make sure what you're preaching on and all this. So... Um, so sorry to be very abrupt at the very beginning of the service, but here it comes, okay? Um, we've been talking about uh, different uh, things, especially with the Supreme Court ruling same-sex marriage. So we went right to Genesis. And here's the deal. Frontline, in your face, homosexuality is sin. Just as fornication, adultery, gossip, lying, and other sins that are listed in the Bible. Okay. So we want to make sure that's clear. We don't celebrate it. As a believer in Christ, you need to know the truth. It is a sin. It is a sinful behavior. It's in the Word. That's what we preached on, okay, and pretty strong about it, okay? Two, the second thing about that, as a Christian, though, that I know the truth, I also need to understand this, that in my dealing with sin, I am also sinful. So before I go around pointing people and saying, look what they're doing, I need to remember, look what I'm doing, what I've done, and we go to the story when Jesus was approached with a woman caught in adultery. And they had stones ready to stone her. And Jesus said, let you without sin cast the first stone. So as a Christian, as I look at people who are out there making choices that are not godly, that we call are sinful, as I have a stone in my hand, I must remember before I cast that stone and judge that person, I too am a sinner. So in love and truth, I approach this world. In truth, knowing what God calls sin and sin, and I back that up. I do not celebrate sin. I should not celebrate sin. As a believer, though, in Christ, I also need to look at those that are caught up in sin, including myself, and show grace and love and mercy to them, not judgment. That's God's job on the unbeliever. So I want to make sure I'm clarified, because last week as I closed up the sermon uh, there may have been like, so what do we do as Christians in all this? Well, understand truth, okay? Understand the truth that we preached on, and then let's make sure that we're not running around stones looking to throw at people, but let's toss God's love their way. Let's remember as we look in the mirror, we see sin as well, and we thank God for his grace to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Now, if you have, I mean, if that's still maybe a little fuzzy, I'm like, ah, call me. Okay, uh, get a hold of me and we'll talk. Uh, I don't want you walking out of here with like, I'm confused. I want you to make sure there's no confusion when you leave 
this place of worship, okay? Um, I want to thank everybody for last Sunday and Monday, okay? Rewind a week ago. I just want to say thank you. If you're involved in anything that took place last Sunday and Monday, whether it's from starting from worship to the end of our backyard bash on Monday night, thank you, okay? Uh, maybe you weren't here at any of those things, but you were involved in one way or another. I want to say thank you. If you provided cookies or other food, thank you. If you uh, couldn't be there last week, but you helped in one way or another, thank you. If you were praying for us, thank you. If you were calling people up and, and encouraging them, thank you. Um, if you couldn't be there due to work or, or another obligation, that's, that's fine. Join us the next time because uh, you won't want to miss it. Uh, it, was, it was a great 48 hours, and I'm going to just sort of back it up so you understand what I'm talking about. Last week's email sort of covered some of this, so you may have heard, and you were, probably some of you were part of it, so you know, but just so we get everybody on the same page what's going on. Here's what took place. Last Sunday afternoon, uh, there's a group of us that gathered over at the ministry center for a time of learning how to share our faith better, some evangelism training. So Pastor Landon and the Philly team led us and took us and, and sort of shared with us how we can do better at sharing our faith. And they didn't do just that. It wasn't like we just sat around and we ate fishy crackers and, and Swedish fish, which we did, because we were talking about fishing, so we had to decorate up as awesome, okay. But when we got done, we actually went and did it. That's sort of amazing, right? Okay, that you actually do something, you learn, yeah. So we did. We went out to where our new church building is on Elm Street, and we said, well, look who our new neighbors are going to be. In the Elm Street Apartments, the neighborhood there. So let's go take what we just learned and apply it. So we went and broke into groups of threes and fours and went out into all the different apartments, just introducing ourselves. Hi, we're True North Church. Um, when we invited them to the Backyard Bash, we asked, is there anything we can pray for? And we prayed with them and, and just entered, you know, shared God's love and the gospel if the opportunity was there. And it was amazing. We came back to the ministry center and we just said, how'd it go? We circled up, and we just shared stories for a long time. And it was amazing the opportunity that we have in our backyard, right? Next morning, we got up, and uh, 30 of our children gathered for a one-day power camp. Some of those children were volunteers, some of the older children, uh, but mostly the younger ones that we had a little vacation Bible school with. And bottom line was, we wanted to teach them what we just taught everybody else the day before. So again, Landon and the Philly team sort of worked with the little kids, and then some of the older kids helped out. And we we're trying to train up our young children to also share their faith. It was a great morning. That afternoon, we gathered back out at our new building on Elm Street and for the Backyard Bash. Um, Bruce was cooking up chicken from, I don't know, what time, what time did you start? About noon. So you're out there, Roger's out there, you guys are just stinking up the neighborhood and it was a good stink, by the way. Um, and uh, they got it cooking at noon, and it was, a, it was a, you know, I was a little nervous because if you saw the weather forecast, it was like, I don't know, 100% chance of rain around 4 o'clock. Our thing was 6 to 8, and you sort of wondered what was going to happen, right? Well, as we gathered and started setting things up, um, we started putting up a tent where the registration was going to be, and you, what did you say? Do you remember? Remember what started to happen? What happened? That's right. That's right. And you were the first one to say, we need to pray for it. So you got it. So you led us in prayer. And within minutes, it stopped, stopped raining. It cleared up. 
Uh, we had a few sprinkles a little bit later, but it was the most beautiful night. And we were getting calls from people saying, hey, we're in Toledo. It's pouring down rain. Hey, we're coming this way. It's pouring down. It's in Delta. We're over on this side of Wazion. It's pouring down rain. It's like, not here. Um, it was pretty amazing. So our new neighbors from around the uh, Elm Street area walked over. We had tables set up outside and some set up inside because we thought it might rain. Uh, at one point in time, every table and chair was pretty full. Um, people came over. They registered, put their name in a drawing for a raffle. Uh, we had little baskets of food to give away. And uh, again, it was just a moment to say, we want to show our love. It was, it's really simple. And actually, we got everybody together at one point in time, set the kids all down and, and all the adults that were there and said, we just want to introduce ourselves. True North Church. We're going to be your new neighbors. And we just want to let you know that because of God's love for us, because we've made mistakes and we've had rough times in our lives, but God loves us so much uh, and he saved us from our mistakes that it, we want to share that with you. So we're just here to share God's love with you. We hope you hear that same message that God loves you and that he wants to change your life too and save you. So really it was just a brief introduction to our new neighbors saying this is who we are. This is why we're here. It was a lot of fun. Um, I was having fun for a moment, playing with the kids, doing bubbles. They had a kiddie pool and bubbles. Uh, it was only a moment because we're blowing bubbles, and then all of a sudden, um, Ethan was his name. His mom goes, Ethan, the bouncy house. And next thing I know, they're gone. They all went to the bouncy house. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, and we joked about that. It's like, well, I was having fun until Dave got the bouncy house going. So uh, the kids loved it. So um, I was fun watching all of our kids, our church family, serve food, hang out, share, smile, laugh, uh, playing games. It was a blast. Um, so I just want to say thank you. Um, I drove home that night with an incredible sense of joy. And I'm sitting there going, God, I hope this isn't a sin, but I'm very proud of this church. And, and I understand we've got a lot to learn, you know, and we're not patting ourselves on the back, okay? Please hear that, okay? But I witnessed the meaning of be the church. I witnessed people who love God loving others. And it was good. It was good. Um, I wrote in my weekly email, so allow me to repeat myself that, you know, I, I grasped this, I grasped a deeper meaning of Matthew 9, 12. And I, I believe if Jesus were to show up in Wasion in our community, I, I believe if he came in, he might come to our church, might. He, he might go to another church. He, he might uh, meet up with us at a restaurant or come to our office, I don't know. But I really believe if you wanted to find Jesus, you'd find him in the backyard of our new building. I believe you'd find him out in the streets walking around. I believe you'd find him at a school playground. I believe you'd find him at a park. I believe you'd find Jesus out meeting people where they're at, um, laughing, loving, eating with people who want peace, who want love, who want forgiveness. I think that's where you'd find Jesus. And, and I, Matthew 9, 12 talks about that uh, when Jesus said, um, I've come um, here because what? Sick people need doctors, right? Not healthy people. And he made it really clear, I've not come for the healthy, I've come for the sick. I've come for those who need me. And I was looking at Matthew 9, 12, and I was thinking, Jesus, he came here to save me, yes, but now he didn't come to hang out with me. He's got more people to reach. John three sixteen says what? For God so, what? Loved the world that he, what? He 
gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That's right. So whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. But look at the next verse. John 3, 17 says, um, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world. Jesus came here to save us. And so when I read again later in another book called the book of Luke, third book in the New Testament, Luke chapter 19, Jesus is meeting with this little guy, Zacchaeus. We know him as what? The short tax collector, right? He had to climb a tree to see Jesus coming. Jesus came and looked down, and Jesus looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm coming to your house today. So he goes to Zacchaeus' house, and it says this, but the people were displeased. Can you imagine that? It's like Jesus like, hey, I'm going to hang out at somebody's house. And everybody's like, what? Why are you going to their house, Jesus? Can you imagine that? What? Why are they so upset? Well, it says, because he went to the house of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. They're mad. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people in all the taxes, I'll give back four times as much. And Jesus replied, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Let me hear you say seek and save. Seek and save. One more time. Seek and save. That's why Jesus came. He came here seeking and saving the lost. So if you're thinking that Jesus came to worship with you today, and he probably does want to worship with you because you're worshiping him and his Father, right? But he came to seek and save those who are lost. And if we're followers of Jesus Christ, by the way, if you're a follower, you're following behind watching what he's doing because I'm going to do what he does. If he's coming to seek and save, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to come along and do the business of Jesus, of my King, of my Lord, and my Savior, which is to seek and save the lost. It's part of my DNA now as a Christian. In Matthew 9, we have that story of Jesus reaching out to another tax collector. Why don't you go ahead and turn with me to the book of Matthew, first book in the New Testament. If you need a Bible, we've got some for you. Just raise your hand, we'll bring one. Matthew chapter 9, first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to start in verse 9. Jesus is going down the road. He sees Matthew sitting at a tax collection booth. Come be my disciple, Jesus said. So Matthew got up and followed him. That night, that same night, Matthew invites Jesus and his disciples to his house to eat, along with fellow tax collectors and many notorious sinners. Verse 11, the Pharisees were indignant. They're upset. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? Ooh, harsh words, religious leaders. Verse 12, when he heard this, Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. You know, I'm, I'm reading that. I'm, I'm thinking this is why Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. He didn't come to hang out with the spiritually healthy people, although he probably does and would love to sit down with you and I and encourage us along the way. He came to seek and save those who are lost, those who are sick. And Jesus was teaching and showing us that we have to share good news with the poor, the immoral, the lonely, the outcast, not just the rich, the moral, the popular, and the powerful. So I think sometimes we get in our minds a picture of who Jesus came to save. We need to look back and see what Scripture's saying. It seems irrelevant to say this or be told that sick people need a doctor, right? But let me say it, sick people need a doctor. 
I don't know anybody in this room who's feeling 100% healthy and says, I'm feeling awesome, so I'm going to go see a doctor. We don't, right? We're usually sick, and some of us are so sick, we still refuse to go see a doctor. I've still got an ache and a pain. I don't want to go see a doctor. We have multiple reasons why, well, I'm just, I'm just going to get over it, or, well, I don't want to pay for a doctor's visit, or I know what he's going to do, so I'm not going to go, right? So we make excuses. Same thing happens with Christianity. Oh, I know I need Jesus, but I really don't want to go to Jesus because I've got 101 excuses why I shouldn't, right? But the bottom line is, is, just as the sick need a doctor, we need Jesus, right? And once we find Jesus, and once we place our faith in Jesus, everything changes, right? Well, Jesus came to help those in need of a Savior. That includes, guess what? You and I. But especially those outside the church walls. Yeah, Jesus came here for us, right? But especially those outside the church walls who are spiritually sick and dying. Now, when I was hanging out, meeting people at the, at the Backyard Bash, met a young man. He was so excited to serve and help us. Lived in the apartment over, and he's just, he was just grabbing tables and chairs. One help, what can I do to help? And it's like, man, this is great, thanks. Um, he just wanted to be a part of it. And when we got about almost through the evening, he came over to me, and we were talking a little bit more. And he had me, um, he had in his hand a booklet of CDs to listen to. And, and he's part of a group that listens to motivational leadership CDs. And, and this one, he's like, I think I need to give this to you to listen to. And there's four of them in the case. And he handed them to me and, and encouraged me to listen to them. Now, I looked it over, and I look at them thinking, okay, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a pastor. It wasn't a, a church or Christian leadership thing. It was just a leadership thing. So I knew it wasn't going to be you know, scripture or pastor preaching at me, but it was going to be somebody out there that's going to be very motivational and talk about leadership. Um, and so I thought, well, he felt compelled to give it to me. I figured I'd listen to it. So I listened to it. And the first CD was on hope. And it was about a Detroit cop who's been serving in the police force. His father served in the police force and his grandfather served in the police force. And he was sharing about his story. And I'm, I'm just going to briefly share this story because I can't give you the full scoop, okay? Um, but as he shared his story, and I'm listening to it, here's a Detroit police officer getting ready to bust in this drug house where there was a lot of things going bad and some known felons that needed to be arrested, and they knew it could go bad. Three-story house, basement, first floor, second floor, and they had the police, had a sting operation basically to come in, so they had three groups. First group was going to take the basement, second group secure the first floor, third group would take the second floor. He was a part of the third group that would take the second floor. So as they're geared up and ready to bust in on this house, the first they op they've got their operation all set. First group goes in the basement, second group goes in and secures the first floor. He's in the second group going in, going up the steps. He's got his, his gear on, he's got a shotgun ready to roll in his hands, going up the top of the steps, ready to arrest whatever criminal he knew he had to get, knowing that they could be armed and fire back. As he's getting to the top of the steps, ready to go, firing up, you can imagine the adrenaline is rolling. It's an incredible rush that none of us want to have, okay? And as he gets to the top of the steps, a little six-year-old boy comes around and he has a shotgun there. He didn't fire. But that little six-year-old boy stood there and saw these policemen coming up the steps as fast as could be, armed and with a shotgun pointing right at him. Needless to say, that little six-year-old 
made a mess. It was not pretty. He grabbed that little six-year-old as quick as he could, took him downstairs, got him out of the house to a safe place. That six-year-old boy, as he's talking about this, and he thought about this, that six-year-old boy did not ask to be there. Right? I can't imagine any child saying, oh, I would love to be in that situation. That's not true. No child would ever want to be in that situation, right? Now, I want you to think about this. Sometimes we end up in bad places by choice. Other times, we don't choose to be in that place. We didn't ask to be there. Kids do not ask to be born into poverty. Children do not say, I want to grow up in an abusive home. They don't do that. Children do not ask to be born in a house that's filled with drug addiction. They don't ask for that. But yet children are being raised in those situations, not by their choice. Some homes are that way, not by choice. And sometimes many of us, including myself, that's never been in that kind of situation, don't get it. I'm like, well, why don't they get out of there? It's like, they didn't ask for that. But that's where they're at. That's hard for me to fully understand, right? We all have obstacles and pain in our life. Many of us, maybe not the things that I've listed or said, but many of us in this room this morning have said, I've grown up in a situation that I did not ask for, but here I am. We've all faced pain. The question is, what are you going to do to break that bondage, right? Do you really like where you're at? Are you wrapped up in sin right now and struggling with a sin habit that's like, God, I'm struggling with this sin. Every day it's a war. It's a battle. I just can't. I'm frustrated. I fail every day. Are you making choices that you know are ungodly or keeping you from God? See, you and I know the truth of God's word. And we know that God's truth can set us free, that we can be forgiven. And no matter what place we are in, we can find hope. But a lot of people don't know that. We're, we're blessed to know that, aren't we? You can just look at, you know, I, I'm going to make some of you uncomfortable right now, and I know this, but look at the person next to you and say, we have hope with a smile. How can you not say that without a smile? We have hope. We have hope. See, God gives us strength and freedom to get out of sin, get away from sinful, sinful decisions. His spirit frees us from that. But God gives you also strength to choose the right friends. Sometimes we don't choose the right friends. And because of that, we get in a wrong place. But because we can choose friends, maybe you can't choose those you work with. But you can, for the most part, choose those who surround you. So I'd say surround yourself with those people that are going to build you up, that are going to encourage you down the right road, that are spiritual, that are godly, that are going to challenge you and encourage you and love you and pray for you. But we come, you know, financial problems. We come from abusive situations, poverty, other circumstances that are not our choice. And regardless of the decisions we've made in our lives, sometimes the circumstances around us, they're just there. But there's hope. There's hope. That's the good news. That's why we did what we did last Monday night and had a barbecue. We wanted everybody to know in our new neighborhood there's hope. Whether you are in a situation in your apartment right now or your home right now with your family or lack of family, and you're by yourself and you're hurting, it's been, you've been abused, you've, you're addicted to something, you've got something going on, there is hope. 
That's why we grilled burgers and hot dogs and gave chips and cookies. Some of you baked brownies. And we played in bubbles and bouncy houses because we want we wanted to be that beacon of light of hope to others. Don't allow past those who hurt you or other things such as a judgmental heart or unforgiveness or pride keep you locked up in an invisible prison. Sometimes maybe we can do nothing because of where we are, but God is there with you. So there is hope. Jesus came to seek and save us. I want to tell you something. When you're found, you are saved. And when you are saved, you've got hope. And you've got peace. And now let's give it away, right? It's time to take that good news out there. So in your Bibles, turn back one chapter to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. There's three stories here, and we're not going to spend a lot of time in them. I'm going to breathe through them real quick. But I want you to see these three stories. Matthew does an incredible job of writing out this, and there's a lot of teaching, actually, that goes on, um, chapters 5, 6, and 7. So you hear a lot of teaching, a lot of teaching. But then you see, okay, no more teaching. Now we're going to see Jesus in action. So in Matthew chapter 8, we look at this, starting in verse 1. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached Jesus. He knelt before him, worshiping. Lord, the man said, if you want to, you can make me well again. Notice he didn't say, if you're able to. He didn't say that. He had faith that Jesus could. If you want to, it's your choice, Jesus. You can make me well again. Jesus touched him. I want to, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared. And Jesus said to him, Go over to the priest, let him examine you. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who've been healed of leprosy so everyone will have proof of your healing. Now, in the ancient world, we know that leprosy was the most terrible of all diseases, right? You guys guys hear about that? We talk about it. No medical treatment. The disease caused the body basically to rot away and led to death. It's just leprosy. Most people treated lepers like they were already dead. Socially, they were separated out. They were shunned. They were, as we said, bullied in modern terms. No one touched a leper in Israel. It was illegal to greet a leper in Israel. Uh, lepers were not allowed to share in the services at the synagogue or worship at the temple in Jerusalem, so they couldn't worship God either, at least with others. They were separated from other human beings, but not from God. Right? Uh, by the way, this is the first of the miracles recorded in the book of Matthew. And this miracle, Jesus does, just doesn't heal him from a distance. This is what I love. He reached out and he, he touched him. He put his hands on him. He touched the untouchable. We need to understand this isn't just a physical healing. Jewish readers would have understand that this man was spiritually unclean because of the leprosy, believed to be cursed by God. If you go back to Old Testament, into the book of Numbers chapter 12, there's a story where Moses' sister Miriam had leprosy. God gave her leprosy, and she was set out from apart from camp, separate from everybody, separate from what they believed to be God's presence. You didn't touch a leper because you thought it spread by contact, but you also thought if you touch them, you're going to be cursed by God too, so you don't mess with them, right? Jesus touched this man and didn't contract any kind of disease, right? On the contrary, it was his touch on the leper that healed him, and made it possible because he came to earth to heal physically, but he also came to this earth to heal spiritually. 
Look at the second miracle. Verse 5. When Jesus arrived in Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed, racked with pain. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. The officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come to my home. Just say the word from where you are, my servant's healed. I know because I'm under the authority of my superior officers. I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, they go, come, they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this or that, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be cast into outer darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to the Roman officer, go home. What you believed has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. First realize this is a Roman centurion. This is a Gentile. This is not God's people, right? Okay. He's not a Jew. Jesus is preaching to the entire world, not just one race. Matthew begins, matter of fact, his book with what? The Magi, who are not God's people, coming to see Jesus. This book ends with Jesus saying, go and baptize Make disciples of what? All nations, right? We need to understand that Jesus concludes or includes all in this picture, Gentiles and Jews. Even after he heals the centurion's servant, he says, and I tell you this, many Gentiles will come, and he sort of goes to end times here. and talks about God's kingdom. It's clear that Jesus didn't come to save one race or one ethnic group. Okay, I'd say this, look in the mirror today, look at the mirror, look at your race, look at your ethnic group and say, he didn't come just to save your race. Now, as we look along in this room right now, there's a majority of us whites, right? Not many African-Americans, so I'd say none, okay? Not many Hispanics. Why is that? Is it because we're comfortable Hanging out with people we have was because that's the makeup of the race of our area, our community. And I'll tell you right now, God's heaven's going to be incredibly mixed. It ain't going to look like this. It's going to look a lot different. And that's good. We need to remember that because I'll say this. Sometimes it's hard to reach out to somebody who looks different than me to share God's love with them. Why? Because they're different than me. sort of a challenge for us to sort of step out of a comfort zone and say, I need to talk to somebody that doesn't look like me or act like me. That's a challenge. I encourage all of us to take it. Third story, verses 14 to 17. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a high fever. When Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. She got up, prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. All the spirits fled when he commanded them to leave, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through Isaiah, who said he took our sickness and he removed our disease. You know, Matthew includes a story of healing along with casting out evil spirits in his third story. Healings, and then he cites from Isaiah 53. If you're not familiar with Isaiah chapter 53, it's Old Testament scripture known as the suffering servant passage, which tells of the forecoming of the Messiah. And when you read Isaiah 53, you say, this Messiah is coming to save us? 
He heals people's sickness and their disease and casts out demons and then says what? And heals them spiritually as well because he's the Messiah. Matthew's saying he didn't come here just to make us feel better in sickness. He came to save us spiritually from our death. Matthew quotes Isaiah's passage, point out all about what Jesus is going to do. And as you look at this, and you actually if you read on to chapter 9 with the paralyzed man, Jesus healed his sins and then stood him up and walked him. There's a relation here between what happened in Genesis with the fall of man, because when the fall of man came, sickness and death spiritually entered this world. So when Jesus comes, he wants to heal us physically, but more importantly, spiritually. In each of these stories, we see sickness is the illustration really of sin. What Jesus did in healing those who are physically sick is basically an outward demonstration of the more important authority of him healing us on the inside of our sins. Three quick things from this, okay? Listen carefully. We are spiritually sick. Repeat after me. We are spiritually sick. Here we go. Let's say it together, actually. We are spiritually sick. We just are. We are spiritually sick. Uh, we're dying physically every day. But worse, we're dying because of sin. But you know, I don't know if you knew this, but there's no human remedy for sin. You can't go to the pharmacist. You can't go to the doctor and say, hey, I've got a problem with sin. Sort of chronic. you have anything for it? Nope. I've never seen anybody check in at the hospital and say, I don't know, I'm in the emergency room because I've got sin. Try that sometime. They'll, they'll put you on a different floor, okay? Um, it ain't going to work, okay? We're spiritually sick and there's no human remedy. Let me read something to you from the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says this, Once you were dead, everybody hear that? Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. We're spiritually dead. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He's and his spirit's at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3 goes on to say this. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, like everyone else. Did you hear this? This is all inclusive. This is inclusive here. This is everybody. This is all. But God is so rich in his mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, listen, here's the good news. He gave us life. Let me hear you say life. Life. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that we've been saved. You see, without God, without God, the power of God alone to heal us will we'll perish eternally. We need God. The remedy for sin is God. So we're all spiritually sick. So when you look in the mirror, it's you, it's me. When you look out on the road, it's somebody else. When you're driving to a neighborhood, it's them too. We're all spiritually sick. Here's the second thing. We need a Savior. Let's say that together. We need a Savior. One more time. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus. I mean, that's why Matthew quotes from Isaiah 53, linking the healing of man's disease with sin and the need of a Savior, a Messiah who is Jesus Christ, the authority to heal and forgive human sin. Here's the last thing. Faith is necessary. Faith is necessary. Let's say that together. Faith is necessary. Listen, we are spiritually sick. We need a Savior. Faith is necessary. 
Faith is not a good work for which we take credit. God makes it possible. But it's still something we have to do. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for that. It's from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. See, it's not us. It's the grace of God and faith that we trust him. The leper didn't say, if you can. He said, if you will. He had faith. He believed Jesus could heal. The question was whether or not God would choose to. What have you chosen? Church, what have you chosen? I look back at last Sunday and Monday and say, Boy, we need to share our faith, right? But before I can go out and share my faith, I've got to come to this conclusion and understanding that I'm spiritually sick. I need a Savior. And faith, had, there must be a response on my part. I must place my faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. Church, have you done that? Church, do you realize that there are people out there that don't look like us that need us to take the good news to them? Church, do you realize that God's Spirit wants to work through you and make an impact in this world today? You may think, I can't do it because I don't have the words. I can't. God can do amazing things through you if you just let him. It may be a smile. It might be making cookies for somebody. It might be just playing bubbles on a little bubble toy thing with children. I don't know how he's going to do it through you, but he will if you let him. The question is, will you let him? I really was excited Monday night, uh, driving home. Very, felt very thankful, very blessed. And when I come in this morning, you can just sense God at work and the energy, and it's like, man, we're not done. We're not done. Doing ministry, serving God, can be a messy place. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be all nice and tidy and everything's just organized. It might get chaotic at times. It might be uncomfortable. And so it's like, all right, God, but we're here, right, to do what he's asked us to do. So in the midst of all that, say, God, give me the strength to say the right words, to do the right thing, to show love in the way it needs to be done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're an awesome God. Thank you so much for the opportunity to, to be a part of this church, to be a part of your kingdom and what you want done here on this planet. Lord, there are many churches that are worshiping you this morning, and Lord, we're no different than them because we want to worship you too. But Lord, as we gather here at this particular church, Lord, you've called us to change the world starting right, right here and then going out into our neighborhoods and our community and the surrounding communities. So God, I ask that you just empower us to do that, but Lord, before we do that, we've got to make sure we got this right. Truth is... We are all in need of a Savior. Each and every one of us in here, we've all made mistakes. We've all messed up. And, and to deny that is to be arrogant. To deny that is to be blind. God, we understand that we've all messed up. We need you. So God, we humbly admit that. Forgive us, God, of our sins. God, we also have to admit that this is just when you stop doing bad things. We need you. 
We need to place our faith in your son, Jesus Christ, who came here to seek and save the lost. That's us. Thank you for sending your son. Lord, we want to confess with our mouths and our tongues and our hearts that you are God of all, that you sent your son Jesus Christ to save us, and we want him to be our Lord and our Savior. We want to place our faith in you and you alone. God, this morning as we're praying, there may be somebody in this room right now that's never confessed with their mouths. They've never believed in their hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, right now as we pray, I ask if there's somebody in this room that if you need to pray that prayer and ask God to forgive you, to come into your life, you've never done that before, to be your Lord and Savior, that right now we just pray that. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you're in here this morning, in church, you just know that you don't have things right with God. Get it right with Him right now. Humbly ask for forgiveness. He came to save you. That's an incredible thing. Thank Him for that. Ask him for forgiveness of your sins. He said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Thank him for that. Thank him for forgiving you. Now ask him to be the Lord of your life, to direct you, to guide you, that his spirit will walk with you. So we can't do that on our own. Go ahead and pray that. If you're here this morning, you've already prayed something like that, or you, you, you're a believer in Christ, you've, you've prayed and asked him to be the Lord of your life, but yet you're like, you know what, I'm not living it right now. Go and ask him to forgive you for not living the way you should be living. Ask him to give you strength to start making the right choices again. Heavenly Father, you're an awesome God, and we thank you that you've heard our prayers this morning. But God, we're not done yet, because maybe as we, we've asked for forgiveness, and we want you to be the Lord of our life, but Lord, help us now to step out of here with boldness to change the world. Lord, give us uh, a new excitement, a new vision for our neighbors, for our co-workers, for our family members. Just like our new neighbors at Elm Street, Lord, thank you for them. Lord, there's some children over there that never asked to be where they are, but they're there. And we've got hope. Lord, help us to share that love, not just with them, but those that we know that need your love. God, thank you so much. Thank you for this church. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing to you, Lord, and worship you.